Hi everyone, I'm Carla, and I'm Iman, and you're listening to Screensaver, a podcast about all things pop culture. Late July in San Diego usually means one thing, Comic-Con, and on today's episode, we'll take a brief moment to reflect on our 2017 San Diego Comic-Con experience, or lack thereof. After this, we'll bring back a segment from last year and share some new Comic-Con trailer hot takes. It should be fun. All that is right after the break. Alright, so let's dive right in. Comic-Con happened last week here in San Diego, and Iman, this year was very different for us because we didn't even attempt to buy tickets. Breaking news. We gave it a hard pass this year. That's right, and this is kind of a big deal for us. I mean, you'd gone to the convention, what, 10, 11 years in a row? What do you think changed this year? Man, I hate being reminded of how many years I went in a row, but (laughs) (laughs) I think what was different this year is that we were finally honest with ourselves and what the convention had become for us. I mean, we used to get excited about buying maybe two days out of the four-day weekend, and then we just got really exhausted on Sundays, so we pared down to one. Really, I think we realized last year that lines had gotten longer, panels weren't guaranteed, booths inside were getting repetitive, and casually walking the floor of the halls to watch people and see costumes basically became an impossibility. That's right. I mean, just last year we were talking about how it was the first time we didn't get into Hall H. So this brings up a big question that I think has been in the back of our minds for a few years now. Has Comic-Con reached its breaking point? And by that, I mean, is it officially too big and too crowded to enjoy the way we've done in years past? I mean, from what you're saying, it sounds like the answer could be yes. Yeah, I mean, yes, short answer. There's no doubting the fact that Comic-Con has changed. I mean, in our first years, I remember worrying more about the distance from Ballroom 20 to Hall H than the lines that would be waiting for us at either place. I mean, more people show up, um, and that means that the convention center itself has gotten super aggressive about crowd control. You can't stand anywhere without being ushered away from any sort of scene-making extravaganza. Yeah, anything so, interesting, basically. Yeah, anything interesting, there, move along, move along. <laughs> it's It was just really annoying, and obviously I am holding a massive grudge, but I think, as everyone has been saying, Hollywood caught on to how popular this convention was. So that central pack of big booths and swag handouts... All of that has just grown and grown. All that said, the fact that I'm being a total Uncle Rico about the old days and how cool Comic-Con used to be, (laughs) really, I mean, I'm self-aware. I think this all begs an even bigger question, which is, 
is it really Comic-Con or is it just us? I mean, have we gone too many years in a row to be impressed by it anymore? Maybe, maybe it's us. Oh, man. I mean, my gut reaction to that is, oh, no, I hope not. But we're old. <laughs> <laughs> but I definitely think there's some truth to what you're saying. I mean, most people go to Comic-Con panels excited about the latest Marvel movies or major blockbuster franchises like Star Wars. In any given year, those don't tend to be the type of movies that get us most excited anymore. And I think our bigger problem is that these hugely anticipated and crowded panels are making it less and less possible for for other Comic-Con goers to go and casually discover something new. And yeah, I don't want to sound too Frasier-y by saying our tastes have become more refined, but there's no denying what we look for in pop culture has changed. I still hope this doesn't just mean we're old and jaded, though. I want to reply to what you said about, like, it's not so much that our tastes are refined. Yes, we are very tossed salad and scrambled eggs with most things, (laughs) but... What you were just saying kind of made me think about the fact that when we started going to Comic-Con and even like probably 2004, 2005-ish, I would say the dominant culture was a lot more fantasy heavy. It was Mm -hmm. Harry Potter. It was Lord of the Rings. It was Pirates of the Caribbean, which has very fantastical elements. All of that was really, and remains with our current interest in Game of Thrones, really engaging to us. And I think... The mass culture has just shifted more towards these Comic-Con blockbusters that are all crash, crash, bang, bang. I'm sure I'll say that for... I've used that phrase yeah, to describe... Yeah, comic book movies. Yes. So I do think culture has shifted. It's... You're right. I. You're right. It's not us. It's them. <laughs> but um, no, I... I will say it it probably goes both ways, and I'm not going to count us out just yet. I mean, Comic-Con is, after all, supposed to be about new and surprising content that's being promoted, and I shouldn't be painting with such a broad brush. So why don't we surge ahead and check out some of the big Comic-Con reveals from this year, the trailers, the panels, and see if we we can't manage to stir up some excitement in our Comic-Con weary hearts. <laughs> yes. As we mentioned in our intro, we've seen a bunch of the upcoming movie and TV trailers that were shared at Comic-Con panels last weekend, and like last year, we won't play each of the individual clips we saw while recording this, but we will give our hot takes or minute-by-minute impressions that struck us during our first ever viewing of these trailers. If you have seen these trailers, great. If not, We'll make sure we post their links on our Facebook and Twitter pages when we release this episode. So, Iman, let's get started. We'll introduce each movie with a brief description, share our hot takes, and then share whether or not we'd see the movie or show based solely on this trailer. Sound good? Yeah, it sounds great. Okay, let's go. What was your first movie? My first trailer was Thor Ragnarok. Ooh. This is, uh, yeah, I've 
I've heard the name plenty of times, but reading it now is probably the first time I've ever said it out loud. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The release year is actually this year, sometime in November, I believe. Okay. And like the other Thor movies, this stars uh, Chris Hemsworth, Tom Hiddleston, and Kate Blanchett. Weird. I'd say... Yeah, I I have thoughts. Um, <laughs> but what's more exciting to me about this movie is that the director is Taika Waititi. I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce his name, but he is the famous New Zealand director that also created, um, what is it, What We Do in the Shadows? A great movie. Such a funny movie. He's known for, or at least known to me, for some of his projects with Jemaine Clement from Flight of the Concord. So seeing that he's attached to this Marvel super franchise movie was interesting, not completely surprising, but exciting too, because I mean... Yeah, it seems like Marvel has been making really interesting uh, choices in choosing their directors, with yeah. some by choosing some young up and comers. I mean, we have Ryan Coogler directing Black Panther. Yes. And having Taika Waititi, an actual New Zealander, d- uh direct a movie that is starring a bunch of Australians makes me definitely curious. <laughs> I did not think about that. Uh, the flight of the Concord scenes are flooding to my mind right now. Um, <laughs> all right, so I'll jump into the plot summary. Imprisoned, the mighty Thor finds himself in a lethal gladiatorial contest against the Hulk, his former ally. Thor must fight for survival and race against time to prevent the all-powerful Hela from destroying his home and the Asgardian civilization. Okay, so what were your hot takes? I had decided against reading the plot summary before going into the trailer, so I was pretty confused. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah, I mean, in a good way, though. I mean, this is a a sequel. I haven't seen any of the other Thor movies, so I really jumped into it blind. But the first thing that I wrote down was electric guitars. (laughs) Anyone that has seen the Thor Ragnarok poster or watched or listened to the trailer will know that this movie's main theme is... 80s. There's a lot of neon signs. There's a lot of different lasers. Crash, crash, boom, boom, which is my favorite uh, Marvel phrase to throw around. But (laughs) honestly, this trailer overall, my first hot take was, is this a Thor trailer or is this a Guardians of the Galaxy trailer? Yeah, I agree. There are definite similarities. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of rocking music, quick cuts between images of Tessa Thompson, who is in this movie. We love her from Creed. Uh Um, Carl Urban is in this, but bald and kind of husky. There's a quick scene that we see where Hulk looks like he's fighting a dire wolf, and then you see Mark Ruffalo flying around in super modern spaceships, but he's in a t-shirt and a blazer. I still don't know how I feel about Tom Hiddleston, but this was, 
it just felt like a very frenetic trailer, and the plot summary reading it now feels kind of weak to me. Really what I think this movie is going to be riding on is the overall charm of Thor. In this movie, we see him or in this trailer we see him with newly a, a fresh new cut he's looking good he's yes yeah. he's, he's as swole as ever um and it's i mean really overall it seems like just this fast-paced supercharged movie comic book movie that will be i i have to say it probably entirely unsurprising my mm. my hot take i just wrote Hot take, colon, next. Will I see it? Oh, God. No. (laughs) Oh, one thing that did surprise me, though, and you did mention this briefly, but was I the only one that didn't recognize Kate Blanchett until the second half of the trailer? Oh, my gosh. She looks... This is another note I made. She looks really creepy with long black hair. Yeah, we are definitely used to her more in the Lord of the Rings side of the spectrum where she has long blonde hair. Yeah, she, I mean, I am intrigued by the fact that she's going to be playing a villain. She's such a great actress. I'm sure that her being attached to this will elevate it as a whole. So, I mean, I'm being kind of savage in my overall and somewhat scattered review of this trailer, but... Do I think I'll see it? Probably not, but I wouldn't be against it because, specifically, I'm excited about the director mm-hmm. and the fact that Kate Blanchett is attached to it is is pretty cool. And it does look like a charming movie, just not one that would particularly stick with you afterwards. Yeah, I I can see us watching this movie. I think our reaction is a little bit more tepid only because... The Guardians of the Galaxy sequel was so much of a letdown for us. So true. I think if we hadn't seen Volume 2 of Guardians of the Galaxy and still were riding off the fumes of watching a Marvel movie that was really light and fluffy and fun and had definite retro vibes, we would probably be more excited about this. But I guess we're... We'll wait and see. That's true. I mean, we did just see Spider-Man, and that was a delightful surprise, so I really should be a little kinder to this overall. Okay. Well, we probably spent way more time on that than we (laughs) expected, but let's move on to our next trailer. For me, my first trailer was actually one that we mentioned last year, but they got a new Comic-Con trailer, so here we are again. Justice League which is scheduled to come out also in the fall of this year. And, of course, it's starring Ben Affleck, Gal Gadot, Jason Momoa, and Ezra Miller. And again, the plot summary for this, which I stole directly from IMDb, is, quote, Fueled by his restored faith in humanity, Bruce Wayne enlists the help of his newfound ally, Diana Prince, to face an even greater enemy. Together, Batman and Wonder Woman work quickly to find and recruit a team of metahumans to stand against this newly awakened threat. Okay, before I go into my hot takes, I have to say, about this plot summary, it literally sounds like any superhero movie (laughs) ever made. 
I'm surprised it didn't use the word ragtag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically. But in terms of my notes, I actually numbered these, so I'll just read them off in order. Okay. Number one for me was, the trailer starts out with a bank robbery, which felt a little too much like a Dark Knight ripoff. Um, number two, I wrote, wait, J.K. Simmons is in this movie? I guess he plays Commissioner Gordon. Mm. Uh, number three, wait, Superman died? This is the part where I start to feel some backlash, I guess, for not seeing Batman versus Superman, but whatever. Uh, I think this definitely impacted my my enjoyment of the trailer because it seemed like my interest was quickly fading because for my next note, I put, how long is this trailer? And the answer to that question, Iman, four minutes. Oh, this is a four-minute trailer, which is way too long. I wonder if that Superman fan at Comic-Con was crying for the whole four minutes. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. But anyway, that just leads on to my, my last comment, which is basically that this trailer is just a mashup of a ton of crashes, boom, boom, smash, smash, or whatever you said. <laughs> set to corny rock music so here we have some repetition it ends with a tease that superman might still be alive i guess but they never show him and then it caps off with the words all in in huge writing to which i rolled my eyes and said something along the lines of count me out so will i see it definitely no Savage. <laughs> and that's me it. commenting as someone who actually really enjoyed the Wonder Woman movie. Yeah, you saw that. I didn't. The thing with these, a lot of these comic book movies is that usually they cut really great trailers. So the fact that this one wasn't intriguing to you at all is really says something. Yeah, it was... I don't know. I think they were going for too much... All right, so we're zero for two. Um, I'm going to move right <laughs> on to to the third trailer and try to be much less long-winded than I was with Thor. Um, my trailer, my next trailer is for a movie called Ready Player One, which is going to be released in spring of 2018. The cast includes Ty Sheridan and Mark Rylance, and it's directed by Steven Spielberg. Another fun tidbit is that this was a really popular uh, book that came out a couple years ago. I know the audiobook was narrated by Will Wheaton of nerd fame. Oh, I didn't know it was so recent. Yeah, I... I'm pretty sure it was recent, or at least I remember a lot of people mentioning it more recently. Um, I did listen to snippets from the from the audiobook, and I enjoyed it. Um, I was intrigued by the premise, which is as follows. Here's the plot summary. When the creator of a virtual reality game called The Oasis dies, he releases a video in which he challenges all Oasis users to find a hidden Easter egg which will give the finder his fortune. Wade Watts finds the first clue and starts a race for the egg. Looking at this trailer, it was mostly highly stylized action shots of iron giant looking robots 
troops of young people wearing VR headsets, while again, 80s rock was blasting in the background. So one of my first notes here, because this trailer consists so heavily of uh, depicting this video game and people playing the video games, is Mm -hmm. people wearing VR and grabbing at things that aren't there will never not look funny to me. (laughs) It's it's always your go-to joke whenever we go to see a 3D movie to just yes, pretend you're grabbing doing grabby screen. hands at things. <laughs> so that was one of my first notes. Second was that it just from the few shots that were in here, it really feels like a Steven Spielberg movie. You know those mm. really wonder-filled shots where there's like light coming in from the background and you see this kind of younger guy discovering something? I mean, that's yes. so vague. But when I saw that, I just kind of thought, hmm, this movie seems like it has definite heart behind it, even though it does include a lot of um, highly stylized action. Um, another one was... Um, I guess one of my third notes would be, this kind of reminds me of the Hunger Games, but in a way that works for me. Oh, cool. The premise of a movie taking place in a video game sounds, I mean, the first thing I think of is Warcraft, which was a movie that we talked about, I think, last year or the year before, which felt really silly because the whole thing took place in that world. But I, what I like about this trailer, at least the premise of this movie, is that instead it's showing kids playing a video game and then it takes you inside the video game. So somehow that makes it feel more plausible to me, kind of like the way that The Hunger Games is kind of framed where it's like, okay, here are these normal kids, here are their lives, and now they're going to start playing this game. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like that context. I like the way that it seems bookended by a kind of... It doesn't seem post-apocalyptic, but it does seem... I think it takes place in 2045, they mentioned, and it kind of shows that this dilapidated society and then video games provide this escape. So, again, Hunger Games parallels. I thought that was really interesting. And my my overall verdict, um, I'm intrigued, and I would actually be curious to see this. Oh, nice. Yeah, I mean, anytime Steven Spielberg's involved... I guess it has to pique your interest a little bit. Well, our next movie, our next trailer, is actually another futuristic movie as well. I took a look at the Blade Runner 2049 trailer, which is a movie that's also set to be released this fall, which is crazy to me, but... I did not know it was this soon. Yeah, Uh, This is a movie starring Ryan Gosling and Harrison Ford, and it is about a young Blade Runner's discovery of a long-buried secret that leads him on a quest to track down former Blade Runner Rick Deckard, who's been missing for 30 years. So that in itself sounds really interesting. Yeah. I have seen the original Blade Runner so many times, so I was curious going into this. My first note was, of course, just uh, Ryan Gosling's voice. I'm already in. Um, (laughs) After that, I didn't know Jared Leto was in this, and it looks like he's actually the villain in this movie, which is pretty interesting to me. I think that could be good. 
Third, I noticed that the costume design in this movie looks terrific. And Gosling's character actually has one of those leather jackets with the fur or sheepskin collars that Iman likes. Yes. So I wrote chef's kiss to that. Mm-hmm. Looks better on him than it did on the vulture. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, I just put that this looks every bit as weird but visually stunning as the first Blade Runner. And I'm not surprised that the guy that made Arrival is directing this because it definitely has a similar feel while staying true to the source material. So will I see it? Probably yes. Uh, the casting looks great. The soundtrack seemed great. And despite the fact that the plot comes off as a little confusing, I mean, hey, so was the original. So that won't keep me from watching it. Yeah, I'm actually excited by the fact that the plot summary is kind of vague because mm -hmm. it gives a lot of room to be excited. So does the fact that Ryan Gosling is in this. And yeah, I mean, I have a Blade Runner pin in my office at work. I, I like the original. One note that I did here, <laughs> um, I heard somebody describing Blade Runner the other day and they were just saying, or Blade Runner 2049, excuse me, and they just said, Harrison Ford should not run. Just walk. <laughs> because Why? Because did something happen to him again? No, they were just complaining about the way that he looks when he runs in this trailer. And part of me oh was my very like, are you kidding me? But that aside, I am I am. I thought you were going to say movie. Harrison Ford shouldn't fly any planes. <laughs> that too. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm also a yes for this one. I'm excited. Um, my trailer... Is prob the next trailer I have is, spoiler alert, probably my least favorite of the three I saw. This is for a Netflix movie, I believe, um, being released in winter of this year, starring uh -huh. Will Smith, and it's called Bright. How the name is connected to the plot, I do not know. But, <laughs> all right, let me give the brief plot summary. Set in a world where mythical creatures live side by side with humans, a human cop is forced to work with an orc to find a weapon everybody is prepared to kill for. And by orc, they mean Lord of the Rings orcs. They mean Lord of the Rings orc, like dude with full makeup and prosthetics. It... I, I believe it's directed, um, or it's from the creators of End of Watch, I think they mentioned. Mm. That was referenced early in the trailer. And I couldn't shake the sensation watching the whole trailer that I just kind of thought, why didn't they just make End of Watch? So here's my first note. This movie feels like Men in Black, but completely humorless. Ah, yeah, it creates a world rife with magic, but treats it as such a normal thing that I don't see why they didn't just make a cop movie with normal humans. I mean, it was just so strange because it features a very obvious parable about 
oh, there's tension. Uh, the the premise that the trailer sets up is that there's tension within the, I believe it's the LAPD or some mm-hmm. very similar p- parallel between having orcs join the police force. So it kind of feels like a very obvious, oh, like, it's like when they... African-American people started joining and then nobody wanted that to partner with these people. But then you you form a bond because you're partners. And then, yeah, the the hashtag diversity ness of it. Yes, definitely felt heavy handed, very heavy handed in a way that it felt so much like they were trying to go for something like District 9, where they're using almost like a metaphor of human versus inhuman to depict race relations. But here it just came across as so clumsy and pointless. Mm. I just, after finishing the trailer, I literally wrote verdict, colon, no, just no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Well, the good thing is it's going to be on Netflix, so... If you were curious, you wouldn't have to pay for it, I guess. I just don't understand why they made this movie, and I honestly think the fact that no one has heard about it yet is maybe because it's not going to be that great. Oh, man. Well, Will Smith does have a charm to him that's undeniable. He does. It's just... Yeah, I feel like even that wouldn't help with the premise of yeah, this Yeah, I also, you'd kind of have to have seen the trailer to understand this note, but when I wrote, you cannot make jokes about Black Lives Matter, and that was because one of the first things in this trailer is Will Smith smacking a pixie because it's eating at his bird feeder and he says a group of guys see him and he just points to them and says today pixie lives don't matter it felt sloppy yeah and like we said very heavy-handed yeah Ugh. okay well let's move on to a brighter note <laughs> yes let's. wink wink <laughs> And end things off with a new Stranger Things trailer. Yes! This, of course, is a show that everyone's heard of and everyone, I think, is super excited about. It's set to drop in fall of 2017 again. Could not come soon enough. <laughs> yes. And this second season will take place around Halloween of 1984 about a year after the events of the first season, and we'll explore the bigger mythology of Will's disappearance. Oh my god, I am just so excited about this. My first note upon watching the trailer was, I'm just already smiling. I cannot wait to re-enter this world. Another note, I really like the will suffering from ptsd plotline as a way of pushing the story forward and connecting it to all the events in season one Mm. and then there was also a lot of halloween imagery in this trailer and that contrasted nicely to the the christmasy themes from season one so i'm excited to see this this new angle and all the all the imagery that'll come, like set, all the set yes. design that will come with it. 
And then finally, I just wrote the thriller song in the background is a little on the nose, but who are we kidding? This looks every bit as captivating as season one. And the moment Eleven turns up in the trailer, you are absolutely completely drawn in. So will I see it? Definitely yes. I am so excited for this. I think my excitement for Stranger Things easily outweighs my excitement for every other trailer we've mentioned combined. (laughs) I do think it's interesting that five out of six of the trailers that we talked about all have 80s overtones. How crazy is that? Yeah, it's weird. I mean, in speaking of our overall impressions, I had two main takeaways. First, I'm surprised by how many of these movies have 80s undertones, yet they're set in a dystopic future. Yes, it's insane to think that, like, er, we can't imagine a future that's good. (laughs) Yeah, and the only ones that are good or the only good things about them bring us back to our childhood. Yes, they're super nostalgic. Yes, that was interesting. And then another more random observation was that I didn't realize the majority of these trailers have really, really quick release dates. Like we mentioned, the majority of these come out in fall of this year, which tells me maybe production studios are keeping a tighter lid on their content. I mean, I found no Black Panther or Ant-Man trailers, which I was totally expecting. Yeah, what gives? I was so frustrated that we didn't get any new Black Panther content when I think the whole cast was there. All that they released was footage of them reacting to their own... uh, reacting to the movie? Yeah, or like a a mashup clip trailer thing that, that they showed them. Oh, right. I mean, I am glad that Comic-Con isn't releasing everything that they show there because there are people that wait in long lines and they do deserve to get some exclusive content. But I think you're right. It does kind of feel like either... I think because there are just much bigger stakes with all these ginormous movies that even from the back end, I think production studios are really scared to release things into the world. I mean, look at how we just savagely tore apart so many of the trailers that we just watched and have counted out, I don't know, four out of six of the trailers that we saw completely. Mm -hmm. There is a lot riding on these trailers, and it kind of does make sense that they won't want to be punished for it before something's ready. All in all, it's just... It's interesting. It's interesting to pick it apart. And I think that giving my overall impressions, I kind of teased this as a start, but I do think what's most interesting about all of this is kind of what it says about the culture. Looking at the trailers that we talked about specifically, and also just uh, I saw some bigger trailer summaries, most of them are sequels. Ready Mm -hmm. Player One, which is a new one that isn't a sequel, it's based on a book. It just kind of feels like a lot of content is being recycled and production studios are just making safer bets and trying to go back to things that they know are reliable. And I mean, thinking about it, it's like, yes, these movies are all very expensive and I understand that. But I guess part of my jadedness is both understanding that, but also they're making it so apparent 
by just mm-hmm. recycling all these old things. So I would say that movies are being super repetitive. Yes, a lot of them are sequels or based on books. And I would say that the fact that we are so excited about Stranger Things, and I mentioned Game of Thrones a little at the beginning of this podcast, I think this says a lot about TV being um, an emergent space because we're still super excited about it. And I would say our lack of excitement about Comic-Con, which has kind of become this big focus on franchise films, that's not just our fault. It's not just Comic-Con's fault either. It's it's not a binary option of one fault or the other. I think it's both. Mm-hmm. And I do think my grand takeaway is just kind of I'm more inspired and attracted to TV because it is that more intimate experience and it's not just kind of top down trying to sell it to us. We went to Comic-Con in the first place because we were super into Lost and I guess returning to TV and kind of drifting away from Comic-Con is a fitting way to have ended it. Yeah, I couldn't have said that better myself. I agree 100%. TV feels more experimental these days. It seems like TV production studios are are taking bigger risks and they're getting rewarded for it too. Big time. And and I think the the outlets that we're really excited about and the content we're really excited about this year it was Get Out. It was The Big Sick. Those aren't things that are going to have a presence at Comic-Con. So I guess just going back and trying to make sure the content is really good instead of the spectacle being good. I mean, do I sound very tossed salad and scrambled eggs? (laughs) (laughs) No, I think it makes perfect sense. And I think that's a perfect way to end this episode. I guess we'll, we'll see what we decide to do next year in terms of going at all or not but for now I think we're a little bit more comfortable with our decision than maybe we were even at the beginning of this recording yeah totally I'm excited that we it still gives us plenty to talk and rant about oh definitely all right well I think that does it for this episode of screensaver for those of you listening out there, if you have any thoughts you want to share with us on Comic-Con in general, or these trailers, let us know. You can follow us on Twitter at ScreensaverPod and like our Facebook page, Screensaver Podcast. And as always, you can find other episodes of Screensaver on iTunes. Alright, Iman, I'll talk to you later. Bye! Bye! <laughs>